Good morning. It's like a three. That was not great. We're going to let it slide this week because I know you're tired of my typical youth pastor. You can do better than that. But I think you can do better than that. So I just want you to know. I was thinking during worship, isn't it incredible? This has, this has nothing to do with the sermon today, but it's, we just can't miss this. That we serve a king who was crowned on a cross and inaugurated walking out of the grave that we deserved. We serve a king who was crowned on a cross. That was his victory, was taking upon himself the weight of the world, the sin of the world, the full account of sin and death upon himself. We serve a king unlike any other, and we are in a kingdom unlike any other, because our king, rather than lifting himself up, was lifted up on a cross for our sins, and the inauguration of his new kingdom was when he walked out of our grave to invite us into his kingdom. Is that not incredible? Oh, man, I'm excited this morning. I'm excited because... We are talking about Pentecost. We are in week two of our Fire and Wind series, walking through the inauguration of the church, when the church was founded, when the church became a public body. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2. If you want to open up your Bibles there, while you're turning there, just to recap from last week, we talked about Jesus' last words to his disciples in the beginning of the book of Acts, when he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we said the vocation of the church, the job of the church is to bear witness. But we also said that one of the biggest things we struggle with, one of the biggest tensions that we'll continually face is the tension between worry and witness. The disciples wanted to know how it was going to end, but Jesus said, you can't know that. Instead, my spirit will come upon you and you will bear witness. A worried world needs a witness. Now, in that moment, in what we read last week, Jesus says, wait, because the Holy Spirit is coming. He says, stay in Jerusalem. Don't do anything. So we read in the in-between that the disciples are together and they are praying, and then we get to this part. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1 says this, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Serene. If you're wondering how I pronounced those right, I have no idea if they were right. I just said it. Libya near Serene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your presence with us that is always with us. 
We acknowledge your presence with us this morning, and we ask again, like we do every time we gather, that your name is the name we remember, that your word is what we consider this morning, that if anything's my opinion or perspective or thoughts, that that would be forgotten, that that would fall to the ground, and only what is your truth would remain. We would leave this place with only the name of Jesus in our minds. We love you, Lord. Amen. I ask you a question. What motivates you? What's the thing that drives you in life? What gets you out of bed in the morning? What keeps you going to work? Is it family? Is it success? Is it provision? Is it something to do? And maybe the better way, at least for me, to evaluate our motivations is to ask what happens or what causes us to lose motivation. I don't know about you, but I lose motivation all, to, all the time. <laughs> I, I actually just recently canceled a Peloton subscription because I have no motivation to work out on a TV screen. I just have no motivation to do it. I did have motivation to have my billing statement on my credit card look like someone who works out, but then that became too expensive too. Lost motivation even for that and canceled it. I lose motivation all the time. Maybe that's just me and I need to stop airing my dirty laundry at the beginning of sermons, but I'm going to assume that that is probably not just me. Lose motivation a lot. For me, sometimes it's relational. I was doing something for a person, right? Turns out you break up and you're not outdoorsy and you can't take the chacos back because you've already worn them. You lost motivation. The person doesn't care about it anymore. The person I'm not in relationship anymore. The person doesn't matter as much to me as they used to that I was doing this thing for. Sometimes I lose motivation because I was really focused on the results. Recently, (laughs) I bought a, uh, a protein shake. Impulse bought a protein shake because the marketing was this old man with a beautifully manicured beard and he had washboard abs and was holding a surfboard and he was like 70 and I was like, if this protein shake can make me look like that, then I am in. Sign me up. Turns out it takes a little bit more than a protein shake every morning to look like you were carved out of stone when you're 75. So I wasn't getting the results after a week and I'm probably not going to buy that again. Sometimes... We lose motivation because things are just too difficult. Like the, the end doesn't justify the means anymore. The struggle was too hard. The results weren't coming fast enough. The results aren't engaging anymore, and it's just not worth the work. It doesn't seem possible, so we decide to quit trying. Now, to a group of people that all came to a church building on a Sunday morning, you're not going to find this surprising. In fact, if this is your first time ever walking in a church building, but you just grew up in the South, then you're not going to find this surprising. Christians struggle with motivation as much as anybody does, if not more. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times I have left a youth camp, conference, inspiring sermon saying, I'm going to read the Bible in a year. And then I got two months in and barely got through the book of John, and that didn't happen came back from youth camp and thought, I am going to share the gospel with everybody in my school, and we're going to meet every Monday and pray, and then we met every Monday for two Mondays, and then we skipped a Monday, and then we didn't meet again until the next youth camp got me really excited again. Am I the only one? I don't mean to just pick at Christian culture here, but sometimes if there's an issue, Scripture oftentimes reveals misalignments. And in order to see where the misalignment are, we've got to poke at it a little bit to figure out where it hurts. 
And this doesn't just happen to individual Christians. It's not just us that we say, I am going to get to heaven driving a Greyhound bus with all my friends because I am sharing Jesus with them. And then we get distracted by, I don't know, Minecraft and don't do it. It happens in our, in our culture. We can look back throughout maybe the last 10 years, and some of us have T-shirts. Some of us who are really committed might even have tattoos from phases of Christian history. I, rem- I can remember times where it seemed like every church in the country was passionate about human trafficking, fighting human trafficking. It's like everybody was raising money. We were motivated, and we were all rallying around it. We were bringing in speakers. It's like everywhere you look on social media, it was all anti-human trafficking, and then that kind of wanes as back to the normal thing. Times when we're passionate about revival. We are going to reach our city for Jesus. And then something else comes along. Times where we are passionate about adoption. It's like every church in the country is all rallied around the same thing and then just kind of loses steam. We all struggle with motivation. It's part of being human. I want to offer this morning that as Christians, when it comes to our faith, and I want to qualify what I'm about to say with something. I'm not talking about the days where we feel unmotivated because we're exhausted or stressed. We all have days where we wake up and we're like, I do not want to go to work today. (laughs) We all have days where it's like, this feels like science homework, and I hated science homework in eighth grade, and I still hate it. We all have days like that. Now, I'm not talking about the days where we just feel like we don't have the passion anymore. I'm talking about the seasons of life where it feels like we are just checking the Christian box because the Christian thing is what we're supposed to do, but there's no passion in it anymore. There's not really any intimacy in it anymore. We've lost the motivation to do more than what we're supposed to do, what we have to do for it to count. I want to offer this morning that we lose motivation in our faith. We lose motivation as a church and as members of the church, the global church, the community of Christians. We lose motivation when we lose sight of the Holy Spirit. We lose motivation when we lose sight of the Holy Spirit. Now, this text that we just read is the public inauguration of the church. Like I mentioned a few minutes ago, Jesus met with his disciples. He gave them the mission. He said, you are going to be my witnesses. You are going to bear witness to what I have done, can do, am doing, and will do in the world around you. You are bearing witness. But then he says, don't go anywhere. Stay and wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And then the Holy Spirit comes and inaugurates the public ministry of the church. In other words, I want to make this as clear as I can. We are a book club if we don't have the Holy Spirit. We are a TED Talk and a concert if we do not have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the difference between a book club that's studying the Bible and a church that is the body of Christ in the world. The Holy Spirit inaugurates the church into the ministry, the vocation, the job that God has called us to do. But we struggle with motivation. I struggle with motivation. I can't tell you how many things in my life of following Jesus I have quit. And we lose motivation when we lose sight of the Holy Spirit. And we do that for a few reasons. For a lot of us, it's relational. 
I think a, a lot of us as followers of Jesus, we know God the way that we know our favorite athletes. Like we know all of the stats and we watch all the games and we could tell you their whole player history and where they went to high school and college, but we don't know them. We know about them, but we don't know them. God is kind of like our favorite band. We know all the greatest hits. We know all the deep tracks. We know where they recorded our, their, our favorite album that they put out. We've shared a few cool experiences with them when we saw them live, but we've never hung out. We don't really have relationship. And motivation wanes when relationship, if it's built on relationship, then when the relationship dissipates, the motivation wanes. Now, for a lot of us, once again, just poking until we find the problem, for a lot of us, we kind of get a pass when it comes to not knowing about the Holy Spirit. Kind of get a pass because the Holy Spirit's all in the Bible, but a lot of us, we grew up in churches where talking about the Holy Spirit meant we talk about, we say things like, wow, I really felt the Spirit in worship. And what we mean is I had chills, which is good, and that's probably the Holy Spirit. might be the Holy Spirit. Or, Or we say, I really felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit, which once again, that's good because the Holy Spirit does those things. But our education as to the Holy Spirit really stops there. We know a lot about the Bible. We can go deep in the history. We can talk about God the Father and the work of Jesus, which is incredibly, incredibly important. And hear me say that. The work of Jesus is the most important thing about you and me. The work of Jesus is the most important thing about us, but we are studying a true book if we are not empowered by the Holy Spirit. A lot of us, we just don't really know much about the Holy Spirit. Some of us, we just haven't really committed much time to study. Some of us have thought, that seems weird and outlandish. Fire, wind, people speaking in other languages. I've never seen anything like that happen, so it probably, that's probably just something else for somebody else in a different place. We don't have much relationship. Once again, the power, the motivation, the energy of the church is the Holy Spirit. We are a book club if we are not empowered by the Holy Spirit. We lose motivation because of relational issues. Sometimes we lose motivation because we are focused on the results. It'd be really easy to read this story, and a lot of us do, we read this story and we think, Fire, wind, other languages, that is amazing. That is so cool. I want that. We look at the results. We want the extravagant. We want the emotion. We want the chills running up and down our spine. We want to see the things that we can't explain. That's what we want. We hear stories about other people in other places and other countries, and we're like, how do I get that? The church is blowing up in China. How do, how do we make the church blow up in Greenville like it's blowing up in China? Do you know what the secret is? They are persecuted, so it's illegal for them to have a good strategy. The only thing they have is the Holy Spirit. They are in dependency on the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit empowers the church. But oftentimes we look at the results. So what we do is we strategize on how to get the results. We want revival, so we're going to build a strategy for revival. We want to see a whole lot of people come to Jesus. So we're going to build a strategy for reaching a lot of people. And here's the deal. Strategy is good. Strategy is important. Surrendered to the Holy Spirit and empowered by the Holy Spirit. But without the Holy Spirit, we're no different than Target. Without the Holy Spirit, we are a small business trying to expand our influence in a community. 
just strategizing. The church, the church is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now something, and this, this needs to be addressed because this is one of the things Christians argue about all the time. And if you don't know what this is referencing, congratulations. <laughs> I'm happy for you. We so often focus on the results that we turn the Holy Spirit into a performance and a commodity. Some of us are scared of the idea of the Holy Spirit because we've seen people try to monetize the Holy Spirit. We have seen, make a donation and I will pray over this thing and I will send it to you and then I'll get in my private jet while you still struggle. We have seen, sow a financial seed of faith and reap a harvest of miracles. We wanted the results. This happens very early in church history. In fact, just a few years later, Paul is writing a letter to a church that he planted in the city of Corinth. And he's dealing with the way the Holy Spirit is being used in this church, in this place. And in this church, the people have taken the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which you should notice in the story, in the first moment of the Holy Spirit infilling the church, infilling believers, people are empowered for the ministry at hand. But what happens is people start looking for extravagant and showy gifts so that they can prove their spirituality. In other words, the Holy Spirit becomes something used to prove my spirituality instead of serve the mission of God, instead of bear witness to the goodness of Jesus in the world. We look at the results but here's what you need to understand. The gift of Pentecost is not the results. The gift of Pentecost is the Holy Spirit, the person. The gift of Pentecost is that the Holy Spirit comes on and in the believers and empowers them to do the ministry. The Bible is a story that is interwoven together. So we need to see the work of Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit as working against and undoing the work of sin. And you might remember a story in Genesis chapter 3 where humans decide to pursue sin and relationship and intimacy is broken. We walked in intimacy with the Lord, sin entered the picture, and we were removed from intimacy with the Lord. We were separate. Well, because of the work of Jesus, the presence of God is no longer separate. The gift of the Spirit is the Spirit, and the Spirit empowers us to do ministry. The Spirit gives us gifts that empower us to do the work of bearing witness in us, to our community, and to the world around us. But the gift, the relationship, the purpose is the Spirit, is to experience the Spirit and be empowered to the mission of God through the Spirit, not the results. And we will lose motivation if we are focused on the results. Because I could tell you a lot of crazy stories about things the Holy Spirit did, and you would think, that can't be true. I could also tell you a lot of stories about times I thought for sure the Holy Spirit was going to do something, and it didn't happen. Because the Holy Spirit works in the will of God for the purpose of God, does not fit within our box, and is not commanded by us. The Holy Spirit empowers us to the mission of God which is undoing the work of sin in the world around us in a window into the perfection that is to come. Things will not be perfect now in this world, but we are wind a window, we are ambassadors, we are an embassy in which chains are broken, lives are healed, people are transformed through the ministry of the church empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
We are a window into what is to come. This is the work the Holy Spirit empowers us to do. The last way, not the last way, I'm sure we could talk for hours about ways that we lose motivation, but I am preaching, which means I have three. So <laughs> they don't all start with the same letter, though, so you've got to give me that. Um, we lose motivation because things are too hard. Honestly, I cannot tell you how many times I have conversations with people that follow Jesus, that believe that we live under the reign of King Jesus, who defeated the power of sin and darkness and is going to resurrect and redeem all things in the end in the new heaven and new earth. We have a hope that is now and forever, but I hear people say things like, what are we going to do with the world today? It's so dark. It's so hard. There's so much. It's just... I don't even, even want to try. How are we ever going to make a difference? How are we ever going to make an impact? I hear it out of people's mouths. I see it on social media all the time. We lose motivation when we focus on the problem and not the Holy Spirit. When we focus on how hard it is. There is no group of people in human history that had a better right to lose motivation than the early church. In, in this story, people start calling them drunk. They're not taking them seriously. Some of them are, but people are calling them drunks. A, a, in the next chapter, two of them go to jail. Soon after, one of them is stoned to death, not the Colorado kind, like with rocks. He is stoned to death. They are there is a time in history where Christians are killed. They are sought out and killed. They lose finances. They lose relationships. They lose reputations. Literally, the empire was stacked against them at one point. And they are a group of Galileans. Galileans, basically, in this story, means the other side of the tracks. High school dropouts, people that shouldn't speak. Hearing Galileans speak in other languages is like hearing Larry the Cable Guy speak Latin. It just doesn't make sense. These people shouldn't have been able to do it. But they didn't lose motivation. Why? Because they knew the Holy Spirit was empowering them to do the work of ministry in front of them. They knew the Holy Spirit was empowering them to bear witness through the natural and the supernatural. They knew that the world around them was supernaturally charged because they were indwelled by the Holy Spirit. We have this default setting that for some reason we think about God as if he is the cosmic purveyor of life in the sky that is separate and distant. And that when we pray, we're like asking him to lend us his ear to give us some of his time. This story proves that wrong because God is not somewhere else he is in us if we are following Jesus. In other words, we're not trying to get God to notice when we pray. We are reminding ourselves that God is here and already noticed. He is with us, empowering us to do the work. Colossians says that Christ is in all things and all things hold together in him. You have never been in a situation the Holy Spirit wasn't in. in, wasn't in and you will never be in a situation the Holy Spirit isn't in. Inviting, redeeming, comforting, empowering. Bear witness, empowers us to bear witness, to notice, to speak truth, to tell a different story. Sometimes that bear witness is supernatural, like this incredibly powerful story that we just read. Sometimes that bear witness, sometimes that empowerment is the gift to forgive someone who doesn't deserve forgiveness. Sometimes that empowerment is the gift to speak a timely word of truth to someone who needs it. Sometimes it feels extre extremely normal 
but because we are noticing and we're aware and we are living in the Holy Spirit, we are prepared. And sometimes it is outlandish and supernatural. I've heard all kinds of stories of things like this happening again, where people go to another nation and they speak in a language that they do not know because the Holy Spirit empowered them for the ministry at hand. The Holy Spirit empowers us to bear witness in ourselves, to ourselves, to our community, to one another, and to the world around us that is lost and desperate for a witness to the truth. It is not too hard. It is too hard if we do it. It is too hard if we try. But when we live empowered by the Holy Spirit, then we see what the Holy Spirit has is and can do, no matter what. Remember how I said that the Bible is a story that's interwoven together. There's a story that might come to your mind when you read this. It's from Genesis chapter 11. It's the story of the Tower of Babel. In response to the, the sin of the people, the people were unified, the story says. They all spoke the same language. They were all in one place, and the people were sinful and broken. And we've all seen what happens when sinful, broken people get a whole lot of power and influence. We can do a lot of damage. I can do a lot of damage in the world when I am not living in intimacy with the Lord. So God in his mercy confuses their languages. He looks at them and he says, they'll be able to accomplish anything. And they're, they're, they're sinful, so it's not going to be good. So he confuses their language. It's not, it's not random that in a people that were scattered and confused, that at this moment, the day of Pentecost, the people of God scattered across the nations were gathered together in one place. People who spoke other languages were gathered together in one place so that when the Holy Spirit comes the Holy Spirit could empower them to break down the barrier that had divided them, to reunite because sin has been defeated because we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to bring back together what sin caused to be divided. Because the work of the Holy Spirit is setting right what was set wrong because of sin. The work of the Holy Spirit is bringing justice where sin has brought injustice. The work of the Holy Spirit is bringing freedom where sin has brought addiction. The work of the Holy Spirit is bringing life where sin has brought death. Everything, everything changes because of the work of the Holy Spirit. This is the life we were empowered to live. This is the vocation of the church. This is the difference between us and a book club. So we live empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, you might be thinking, hey, what do, we, what do I do about CJ, that sounds great. I mean, obviously, I want to live empowered by the Holy Spirit. I'm a Christian and everything, but how in the world do I do that? The answer is pray. Pray. Prayer is the act of intimacy. It's the primary act of intimacy that we have with the Lord. And, and when I say pray... I don't mean read our miracle grocery list to the Lord. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. Scripture tells us to take our petitions to the Lord, but for a lot of us, prayer, that's all it is. It's just daily asking God for the things that we want from God. But prayer is the act of union. Prayer is the acknowledgement that Christ is with me, he is in me, the Holy Spirit is empowering me, that the Holy Spirit is in this situation. So, so pray. And prayer is considered a church or a spiritual discipline. 
And I want to highlight that because discipline doesn't mean God in trouble. Discipline means requires practice, like the discipline of martial arts or the discipline of learning to play the cello. It requires intentionality because relationships require discipline. Relationships require intentionality. When we choose to become aware, to learn to listen, to learn to recognize, when we choose to pray when we read scripture, to not read the scriptures for distance, to check off our spiritual box, but to read the scriptures asking the Holy Spirit to connect it to our heart and lives so that we become aware of the work of the Holy Spirit in the word of God. Asking the Holy Spirit to show us what divine appointments he has put in our lives today. Ask the Holy Spirit to show us what was going on yesterday and last week so that we become aware of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The thing is, if you are a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in you. You might not know it. You might not be aware of it. But prayer is how we become aware. I can't give you five steps to becoming aware of the Holy Spirit. What I can do is invite you to pursue intimacy with the Holy Spirit. God is in you. Now listen, I could talk about this for a really long time because this is incredibly important. This is what the church is all about. We proclaim the work of Jesus. We proclaim the truth of the gospel empowered by the Holy Spirit. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. We are a book club. We are a group of misfits. We're just a group of people hanging out a couple times a week if we are not empowered by the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit is in us and with us, we are kingdom ambassadors bringing revolutionary truth that sets captives free. This is the work of the church. This is what we're called to do. I can keep going for a long time and I'm just gonna get myself all riled up. This... What we were called to do, church. You want to look at the book of Acts? Let me give you a secret to everything else that we're going to witness through the rest of the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit empowers the believers to do the work of ministry. Sometimes it's miraculous, like people getting healed. Sometimes it's not really miraculous. It's just people sharing what they have, praying for one another, meeting together, worshiping together. But it's empowered by the Holy Spirit, bearing witness to the work of Jesus. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, bearing witness to the work of Jesus. If you want to see the fold, if you want to see yourself, it's important to notice that the fire fell on individuals and the community because we are empowered as individuals as part of a community. If you want to see, if you want to live in the life of the church, the the followers of Jesus, the community of Jesus, then become a praying person. If you want to see the fold become the church that God has called us to be, invited us to be, fulfill the vocation that he is inviting us into, become a praying person. A few verses earlier, while the disciples were waiting, the book of Acts says that they devoted themselves continually to prayer. They devoted themselves continually to prayer. Sit in silence with the Lord. Bring yourself to the Lord. Cry to the Lord when it is hard. Shout with the Lord. Celebrate with the Lord when it is good. Yell at the Lord when you're angry, but pray. Pray. You become intimate with someone by communication. You become aware of someone by communication. Pray. One more time. Pray. What do we need to do? Pray. We become a praying people, and we become a Holy Spirit-led people. This is the vocation of the church. This is the work God has called us to. So we're gonna close in worship this morning. Before we do that, we're gonna pray. I wanna invite you. I'm, I'm gonna pray, but don't listen to me. 
don't listen to me. You talk to the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you where he is present in your life. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you what he has called you to today. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal himself to you in whatever way he wants. Ask the Holy Spirit to empower you for the work of ministry that he's put in front of you. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you how to trust that the Holy Spirit can handle whatever is in front of you. You know, it is no accident that the symbols, it was fire and wind, these historic, throughout human history, these have been symbols of movement, of empowerment, of sustenance. Fire and wind, wind in your sails, windmills. This is how we are empowered. This is how we are motivated. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would show me what it means to live in intimacy with you, not to know about you, God, not to just be familiar with your work, but to live in intimacy with you. God, draw me into deeper relationship with you. I want to live in the fullness of everything that you are calling me. I want to live in the fullness of the vocation of your people, which is to bear witness. And I know I can't do that on my own, God. So show me your power. Empower me. Show me where you are moving, God. I lay down my expectations of what it's going to look like. I refuse to put you in a box. I just ask you to move, God. And we as a church, as a community, God, we ask you to move. We refuse to put you in a box, we are not asking for a specific thing. We, we're, not, we're not telling you what we want it to look like. We're asking you to move, you to fill us. We're asking that you would make us aware so that we can live empowered by you, motivated for the vocation that you've given us, impassioned to see justice and mercy and truth come in every corner of the globe. Let us become aware of your Holy Spirit. Let us become aware of you, Holy Spirit. Let it not become about what you do, but let it become about you. Show us. Show us your voice. Make us a praying people who live dependent on your Holy Spirit and empowered to the vocation you have called us to. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Holy Spirit.